Last week it was about time bandits. This week it's about time and Smokey and the Bandit. Welcome to Have You Seen. Hello once again, and yes, welcome to Have You Seen, uh, where, as this has become tautology already, we are talking about About Time and Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, I am Kieran Lefort in South London, and over there, from my perspective, is Tom Webb in Hello. somewhere. Essex. In a room somewhere. full of... I can see lots of guitars and cameras in his room, I'm not sure. Uh, what, pretty much sums up this room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm in my living room. I'll give you a tour, yeah. actually, of my living room. Hold on, fans, there we are. Start. You can start over there with the exercise bike covered up, and we go all the way around over there. It's a terrible pan. I'm going to get sacked. So the DVD collection, not there. And you can go all the way to the consoles if you like. There we are. Please don't rob me. And uh, yeah, cool. That's uh, nice. that's that's where I live. Tom yeah, can't I, see I that because he sees me I through a different camera. Yeah, uh, but no, once Sony in in July released the firmware for this camera to turn it into a webcam, <laughs> someone will be able to see my shot. Nice. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, it is the most tenuous of links between episodes one and two of this new season of uh, ten episodes we're planning to do. Um, I pitched Tom time traveling rom com about time, and Tom pitched me. Ludicrous seventies drive-a-thon, Smokey and the Bandit. Um, what do you want to tackle first? Uh, let's do Smokey and the Bandit. That's handy. Cause... That's the that's the notes I've got open. Okay, excellent. Because you know, I feel like there's probably going to be more to talk about with about time. Okay. Because let's face it, there's no there's no intellectual argument for Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's just silly and fun. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll give you a little recap. Yeah. Smoking the Bandit is a 70s movie uh, starring Burt Reynolds, directed by Hal Needham. And uh, the basic premise is that um, two uh, Atlanta sort of... I don't know what you even call them. Like, I mean, they're just like these guys that like to flash off that they've got a lot of money. They drive this massive red Cadillac with horns on. They've got matching powder blue suits. They're father and son, Big Enos and Little Enos. And they've got more money than you can imagine. And they've got a horse in a horse race. And they want to celebrate in style. So they want to get 400 cases of beer for their celebrations. They specifically want Coors beer. Um, because, again, it's a status symbol. Because in at that time in Atlanta, they, no one was allowed to sell Coors beer. Because of some sort of uh, regulations around it being unpasteurized. Or something like that. Something really bizarre. Um, so you can only buy it in certain states. One of those states happens to be Texas. Now, they have 28 hours to get their beer. So they approach Burt Reynolds, the bandit, and they give him the challenge. They offer him $80,000, which seems like a ludicrous amount of money for this, to go to drive in a rig, like a, an HGV to us in the UK, um, to Texarkana, pick up the beer and bring it back without getting caught. And so they, he, he goes for it because like I said in the, in the last episode, he's equal parts ego and charm and he, uh, he likes to show off. That's his thing. That's what the bandit does. So he gets his rig, he drives to his mate Cletus's house, tells Cletus what the deal is and then unveils that he's going to drive a Trans Am, which is going to act as a blocker for the truck. So basically uh, Burt Reynolds is going to try and draw away all of the cops from the truck so that the truck doesn't get stopped carrying the illegal beer which becomes more illegal I noticed this time around watching yeah. which I don't think I realised as a kid uh, <laughs> uh, that technically they actually they're supposed to pay for the beer and they have the money to pay for it but there's no one there so that's they just in take one of, it that's in one of my notes there is, all it would have taken is one shot of Burt Reynolds leaving the cash like just get the second yeah. unit guy to show a hand leaving the cash on the counter and everything is fine yeah. But Burt uh, Reynolds yeah. steals a truck full of beer. Yeah. Uh, also, $80,000 in 1977 money is equivalent to mm. almost $340,000 now. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> so no okay. wonder he took it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't drive and I would do it no. for that. I'd learn. Um, so, so basically, uh, while we're talking about money, I might tell you the stat. Uh, this was released in 1977. Mm-hmm. Biggest film of that year? Star Wars, yeah. clearly. Second biggest film of that year for box office? Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit. Good Which, lord. What was the budget on this? On this? Yeah. It was $5 million. God. And Burt Reynolds took $1 million of that. Mm-hmm. And the studio rocked up just before they started filming and took back one million. So they made it for three million dollars. They had three, I think, two, two or three Trans Ams, and I think two or three of the uh, the uh, sheriff's cop car. Mm-hmm. And apparently, by the end of the film, the cop they had car, none of the, the Trans Ams and none of the cop cars. Well, well, yeah, they totaled one Trans Am completely on one stunt. And uh, the cop car that you see at the end is actually all three cars salvaged and bolted together. Oh, well, it looks like it. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just a silly movie. We should also mention <gasps> Sally Field is in it as, as, as the love interest. So, sorry, one seen? second. Okay, so you say this film overall technically ended up with a $3 million budget. Do yeah. you know how much it took in the US alone? No. $127 million. Wow. <laughs> I, uh, this is a, just a monstrous hit. Hal, Hal Needham was a stuntman. Mm. He was Burt Reynolds' double for a, a bunch of movies. He was just a stunt guy. And, and he uh, wanted but he to was make particularly films. known for car stuff, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. 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 And he, um, he made a handful of movies and he got critically slaughtered most of the time. Mm-hmm. He was not very well respected to the point where he put an ad in Variety. I think it was Variety. He put an ad out which had all of the headlines from his terrible reviews from critics over the image of a wheelbarrow full of cash. (laughs) (laughs) Just to stick two fingers up. I mean, I'm not surprised if he made $127 million off this thing. Uh, Jackie Gleason was offered a cut of the gross, but he, he... declined it for an actual wage and yeah he lost a lot of money doing that and the movie only got made because burt reynolds said yeah i'll do it yeah um watching this it's not hard to see why he became a massive star like burt reynolds was late 70s early 80s he was a huge Mm. star yeah uh to the level Mm. of like do you remember like Clooney mania in the mid to late 90s yeah he he was that kind of thing i think yeah um and like but, he so, is nothing, but he's like nothing but like six foot three of charisma. No, g- and give charm. me your gut. Yeah, give me your gut reaction. Did you like it or not? It's paper thin. Yeah, uh, and kind of underwhelming in the car chase stakes. Mm-hmm. If you're hoping for a crazy nonstop chase movie, but yeah. it's fun and it's charming, and I mm. did enjoy it. Excellent. I will That's watch this. Enjoy I, I will watch this again before I watch Time Bandits again. If you want a comparison to stuff yeah, we've okay. talked about already, yeah, no, I totally agree. Do you know what? Um, it's just an easy film to watch. I think it's begging for a remake, but I don't know how you do it with modern technology, unless no. you made it a period film, unless you set it in nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's. I think what makes it work is that they had a script, but uh, Jackie Gleason improvised most of his lines. I imagine Burt Reynolds had quite a lot of sway. Mm. I know that they both contributed elements to the plot. So uh, there was no character of Junior, the the sheriff's son, Mm. in the original script. He was added by Gleason because Gleason said, I need somebody to talk to. I need somebody to bounce off. It's funny because he was a character I didn't really like or care about. No. he like He's he's, he's just dumb as a post. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he's supposed to be. You know, he's, he's just there. He's just there to listen to Jackie Gleason's which, jokes, essentially. Which, which leads to possibly the most horrific line of the movie, which yes. is, as soon as we get home, the first thing I'm going to do is punch your mother right in the mouth. Or yeah, was that are, effect? There are a few, yeah. It, well, it, it's, the first thing he says in that sentence is, uh, I, I can't believe you came from my loins. Yes. So I think the implication is that the wife cheated on, on the sheriff. But Maybe. I, the, yeah, there's a few moments in this, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, no, you wouldn't say that now." It's way but like less, any 70s movie. It's yeah. way less racist than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. There is only yep. one moment that made me suck air over my teeth, which is where um, there's uh, one of the sheriffs of the towns they're passing through is mm. black, yeah, uh, and he ends up with his car in the river, 
Yeah. Uh, and he gets out and explains to Gleason, he is the sheriff. And Gleason yeah. turns away to the camera and just says, what is the world coming to? Yes. And I was yeah. like, whoop, can't do that. Yeah. But it and, bef- is- and before that, he says, you sounded taller on the radio. Yes, but that's funny. Yeah, it, it, it is, it is. But I think it was like, there, there was the implication of like, oh, you're not what I expected. And yes, then, yeah, then there, is, there is that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that, and, and that I, line could be that line could be read in two ways, and I think I chose to yeah. read it in the funny way. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I would say it is about as casually sexist as I expected, but yes. that's only Gleason's character. Yeah, so I do think that um, the 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 bit we were talking about just then that that has the, the the twinge of racism to it is that he and the sexism is that he is a completely laughable character. So he's Yes, I you're not meant to identify can, with him. Exactly. You're not you never are laughing with him no. at any point. No. So I think that whereas other movies that might have content like that, now you're like, oh no, definitely not. This mm. kinda kinda gets away with it to an extent because all of that comes from the character that you were you were you the villain dislike and the villain yeah yeah um so it, it it's almost like it's it's within his character so it kind of makes it i don't know if it makes it okay but it certainly um it certainly puts it in context put it that mm. way i'm really glad you explained the setup to this because i didn't get that at all what at the beginning like why they had why why they why it had to be cause for a start oh right um, yeah no and all of that kind of thing um yeah yeah, and why why they even needed it, why they yeah. wanted it? Like I the I wrote fifteen minutes in. This is the most southern thing I've ever seen, and <laughs> I've sat in Birmingham, Alabama, and seen the local news. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's. It, I mean, it's. I think it's exactly the prototype for the Dukes of Hazard. Like it's just those yes, good old it, boys it, in it a abso- car. It absolutely is. It's yeah. You it's know. a it's a Dukes of Hazard movie. Um, yeah. It's a. To the point where, like, what is that opening title song about? And the way the film opens, it opens like an episode of a TV show. It, yeah, it, it does, doesn't look yeah. like a movie at all. No. Well, that's because it was so cheap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got the 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 song that I I, I don't know if I'd say I quite like it. I, I don't mind. It is uh, Eastbound and Down. Yes. Which is like you know the big Jerry Reed song. Yeah. Um, Jerry Reed, who plays Cletus, the uh, yeah. truck driver. Yeah, uh, who I yeah. I think is really good. He's not. He, yeah, he's pretty good. I didn't realise that he was chiefly a singer until I looked oh, him yeah. up after seeing the film. I tell you but what, he, act, he acts just fine for an actor in a comedy where he has to play yeah. a truck driver. Yeah, I, I country is probably the genre, one of the genre of music that I'm least interested in. That and opera. Y- yeah, definitely opera. I hate oh. opera. But there are there are two or three country stars who i have a huge amount of respect for and he's one of them his guitar playing is astounding okay there's him and there's another guy called roy clark and if you ever want to see shred country <laughs> youtube them seriously okay. like the it's like it's like ingave malmstein level skill okay but country music and it, it, yeah, it's, it's, they're, <laughs> okay. they're crazy. So I have a, a huge amount of respect for him as, as a musician. And I, I like the song. I think it works really well. Apparently- I have, uh, there's a mate of mine who will, who will break out into Eastbound and Down quite a lot. Usually uh, when we're playing like racing games together. Nice. And he has to yeah. drive particularly fast or he has to run away from something. <laughs> He'll just start singing that. Yeah. Um, it, it, apparently, um, Hal Needham just turned around to Jerry Reed one day and said, Can you write a theme song for it? Yeah. Two hours later, Jerry wow. Reed came over. Came over with a with an acoustic guitar, played Eastbound Down. Didn't get very far. Hal Needham stopped him, and Jerry Reed was like, "Oh, well, okay, I'll go and write something else." And he went, "No, if you change a single note, I will fucking kill you." <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. There was actually there were there were there are he has three songs in this. Yeah. And I seem to remember that two of them were quite good and one of them was crap. Yes, the first the one is a bit naff. There's one called just called Bandit, I think, and another one. Oh yeah, the I think that was the one I didn't like. I can't remember. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, East Bandit Down's the good one. So I mentioned uh, last week I saw some of, if not all of, Smoking the Bandit three when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and was completely confused by the plot point of there being a fake bandit in it. Yeah, 
didn't understand that at all. No idea what was going on. Um, there was a song I was expecting to be in this film that must have been in that one. Oh, really? Yeah, Buford T. Justice, Fearless Law of Texas. All right, yes. Yeah. Like, I, re- I remember that. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? I think I've seen one and three the most. Three's really not very good. Um, <laughs> Apparently not. Two's fine, but two's got Burt Reynolds, Sally Field. Yeah. And it, you know, I think it's got an elephant in it as well. But, oh, God, know. that rings a bell. Yeah. Maybe I maybe I may see all of them apart from this one. Yeah. I think I had also seen bits of this. So I'm guessing the Enos is returning the sequels. Yes. Because I remembered yes. them. Yeah. They're definitely um, three, I think. Yeah. I remembered them. I remembered the song that doesn't appear in this film. Mm. Um. I remembered the I remember the Trans Am, and for some reason I also remembered the Enos. I also remember Bandit driving Enos's Cadillac. Yeah, I think that's in the third one. Yeah, uh, okay. Oh, oh no, he does at the end of this one. But yeah, I know uh, he does right thing. at the very end of this. But I remember yeah. it being involved in a chase, which I guess yeah. must be one of the sequels. But they must have brought like the iconic car back for the sequels as well. Yeah, Please don't did. pitch me any more Smokey and the Bandit films <laughs> so no, I can figure this out. I don't actually I'll research this others. on my own time. <laughs> yeah, I don't own the others. You don't own this one at the moment. It's sitting on my, no, my dining table. Yeah. Um, Cause Beer. That's Cause mm. Beer. Definitely Cause Beer, which gets mentioned a lot and has this yeah. branding in a lot. And I How did they feel about their beer being moved illegally I don't know. I, d- I, don't, I wondered, like, surely they could have bumped the budget up by a million or so with some product placement or something but i didn't well there was plenty know. of product placement in it yeah yeah like, well, it's all I mean, over like, this film if they didn't get paid for that jesus yeah. um yeah. 28 hours from when now because he's just told he's never told go it's just like we need this in 28 hours and it's not yeah. like 28 hours from midnight or 20 hours no from... i think also I think 28 that... hours yeah all of them in complete total daylight yes <laughs> it's not night at any point in this no. film once Bert starts his uh, no. starts his run no no and they don't all. sleep they don't do anything no 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 yeah. they just drive and we, I mean the, the one element of this we haven't talked about is the romantic element of it yeah and Sally Field uh, which who, of, which I wrote we just randomly pick up chicks in wedding dresses do we yeah and I, so she got the part Partly because, well, obviously because she's Sally Field, and at the time she was in some really, she was in some really big TV, a big TV movie called Sybil, where she played a, a lady with multiple personality disorder. Right. So she was, she was like a very revered actress at the time, and wanted yeah, to do something I a bit lighter. Yeah, I did think it was odd that she was in. She used to singing Nun, and was, yeah. was that her? Yeah, yeah, she did and, something and, uh, Nun related. No, not that one. I don't think. Not uh, singing Nun. What Nun am no. I thinking of? I might have to go onto IMDb while we're while... yeah. Um, Burt Reynolds was very keen on Sally Field. I bet. Um, and uh, I don't know if they were already a sort of a, a couple at this point. Or but he was going to have a damn good go point. if they weren't. <laughs> but, I mean, that chemistry between them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Their chemistry is great. They are so good together. Yeah. And, and that's what I think elevates this movie above just your standard kind of crappy car chase movie is that the charm that Burt Reynolds has and the interaction he has with her is just it's it's believable in a weird way IMDB Sally Field known for Forrest Gump Steel Magnolias Mm. Lincoln Smokey and the Bandit yeah you know it was a massive massive movie Mm. but I think she's great in this and I, 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 I like she's she doesn't fit the usual bill of a... She was the flying nun, not the singing nun. For three, <laughs> uh, she was in that for three years on TV, yeah. Right, okay. Flying I... nun and Gidget was a big TV show in the yeah. 60s she yeah. was in. Yeah, Sybil was the one that she was in with the multiple personality disorders. Uh-huh. Um, oh, yes, yeah, TV miniseries, there we are, 76. Yeah. So just before this, that was the last thing yeah. she, she was credited yeah. for before this. Which was like, really heavy going. Mm. Um I think based on a true story as well, I think. And maybe she just wanted to have fun, like something yeah, completely I think, different. I think so. And let's face it, I mean, there are points in this where they're obviously in a car on a low loader. Yeah. But there are other bits where Burt Reynolds is clearly driving at an insane speed along mm-hmm. the highway while they're yep. doing a dialogue scene. Yep. You know, yep. it's 
yeah. one of the one of my notes is they hammer that fucking Transam around. Yeah, don't they just? Good lord! And that's what I love about Hal Needham stuff is is just like, you know, okay, his car chases. If you look at it back now, particularly smoking the bandit, it's kind of bland. There's you know some handbrake yeah. turns and there's some there's a couple of jumps and stuff. There's nothing out of the ordinary i'd say that like bullet is a more exciting car chase and bullet is not an interesting car chase bullet's a psychological car chase not an action car chase exactly but it's got it's got something there whereas this but my problem with this is this didn't really have either there are a couple of good stunts so the Mm. bridge jump is proper Mm. dukes of hazard like that thing that thing isn't even in i know like this dvd is a horrible four by three crop yeah but that thing is not in the frame when it lands it was Mm. when it took off yeah it wasn't uh, in one piece flight. when it landed either. I bet not. Um, no. And the other one is they jump a, they shoot it incredibly badly, but they jump a cop car into the back of a, a mm. flatbed. Yeah. Uh, and it almost lands in completely. And then in the next shot, you can see the wire that's holding it in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought for a car guy, Needham doesn't shoot car stunts very well. It Well, so and they're I, a lot less impressive than I thought they would be. There are places that's crying out for wide shots. Yeah. So you can get a sense of where something is coming from and going to. Mm. And it's just mid, mid, mid all the time for a lot of the, particularly for the car stuff. And then yeah. there's a bit where. Bandit, I think there might be a bit of crop going on there with the 4x3 one that we've Yeah, got, potentially. Um, there's a bit where Bandit calls ahead to uh, a woman called Hot Pants. I didn't get her surname. <laughs> um, and she gets all her mates to drive their cars out and block the police and the guy she gets in the car with appears to be driving something really interesting mm. like it seems to be a very odd shape and it's got this massive gear lever that comes up yeah. to his ear you never see what that car is no because all the cars you see in the wide thing. yeah but all the cars you see in the wide shot there's no hot rod like that and yeah. I was like, what is that amazing car? What is that yeah. interesting looking car? and they yeah. don't show it and that's I think- where I think this film suffered quite a lot he, he, they made another. And that one. might be budget as well, I guess. Yeah, I think the next one they made was called Hooper, which is also Sally Field and Burt Reynolds, and the stunts in that are better, but the okay. story's not as good. Um, Burt Reynolds plays a stuntman, so it kind of you know it plays into yeah. stuff. It's uh, again that sort of a proto. Um, oh god, what was a TV show? A uh, full guy. Yeah, full guy. Yeah, so it's kind of a proto. I love that show as a kid. Yeah. Um, that had a signature so, car as well. That had the, yeah, the, the truck, pickup yeah. truck. Yeah. But I think the. Um, I think the thing with the car chases in this is like I think this is this is Hal Needham's first movie, so like I don't think he's got that infrastructure, and it's not like now where no, stunt guys not. stunt guys are they're not just learning you know they don't just learn to do the stunts like they don't just learn you know I think stunt guys back then would just do what they did. Hmm. There wasn't as much thought and effort into the physics and the. The, the kind of safety aspects that they do now and no. particularly the science of the stunts that a lot of the stunt guys learn now and the, the sort of the biomechanics and the physiology of what they do mm. um, people put a lot of effort into that now but also a lot of stunt guys now learn to film their own stunts particularly yes. fighters yeah yeah and i don't think that was a thing back then so no you know i think he, he, he does get but by the time he gets cannonball run you get some great stuff but no, I you've immediately put me in mind of somebody like he's he's primarily a fighter, a stuntman like Scott Adkins, mm. who like shoots and directs his own action, shoots and directs his own movies, and does it well because yeah. he's been doing it on on screen and on set for years and years with people like with everybody from no budget, no mark, straight to video people to Donnie Yen, mm. uh, and I guess yeah, like in the seventies, like. There, there wasn't that kind of thing. Like the, the, the car stunt guys showed up with their cars they were going to wreck, wreck and the directs yeah. just went, crash them over there. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. 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 Um, only one Confederate flag in the film and it's on Burt Reynolds' bumper. Yes. Very impressed that there was yeah. just the one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, that'll something that'll never, get blurred never, out. <laughs> yeah, never noticed that until till, uh, watching it this time. Yeah, Duke's um, house is probably not going to get any reruns anytime soon. No, exactly. And, you know, Shouldn't do really. No. Um, my granddad, my dad's dad, was a truck driver, and right. you can bet your ass he would have known, he would have understood every single word of the CB talk. Yeah. I remember him having a CB radio, and the rare occasions, like there was once or twice where he would have to park uh, his cab outside my nan and granddad's house, mm. and he let me go in it 
and right. like listen to the CB radio. I remember that for right. sure. He is also, to my knowledge, the only member of my family to ever get in trouble with the law. Right. When he got when he got nicked for eating a sandwich while driving his eighteen wheeler on the motorway. <laughs> wow. Okay. This would have been in this would have been the in the seventies or eighties. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. I, you know, it's one of those things. I think again, the C the whole CB craze was just like getting huge, and like, yeah. movies like Convoy and this, and yeah. you know, Hal Needham just like he caught a star on the rise, two stars on the rise. Yeah. yeah. He caught. We did Convoy before, didn't we? Yeah, I think. I think we did. I've definitely seen it. I'm sure it for something. We, I'm sure it was for a, a Have You Seen. Oh, yeah, maybe it was. But yeah, he, I think, you know, Hal Needham, for, his, like, for this movie, he, he just caught everything right at the perfect moment. Yeah. You know? cool. it, was, it, was, it was the Zeitgeist movie, even if nobody knew what that word meant in 1977. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I, you know, I, I thought you should see it, but I, I, there was part of me thinking, oh, he's not going to enjoy this. It's just like as long as you're not expecting much from it, yeah. it's 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 fun. Yeah, it's fun. Like like it's it's full of holes. Like mm. you know, that, like we said, them accidentally stealing the beer. Yeah. Um. But you know, what up, they turn up to the beer depot, kick the door in, mess around on the forklift, break some stuff, and just leave with the beer. <laughs> yeah. Well, he tells Cletus, you know, leave a note. And Cletus can't be bothered, or he can't spell yeah. the name right, so he just leaves, and he's like, "Oh, yeah. God, okay." Yeah. Yeah. The other problem I have with it is there's not enough uh, emphasis on the time aspect. You are never no. told how long they have left. You're only told how far ahead of schedule they are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it would have it would have had more stakes if it was an actual race against time, and you knew, like, yeah, like to me, 28 hours is a decent amount of time. Uh, and also, I found I, I found out that I don't know how long it would have taken in '77, but uh, on Google Maps at the moment, uh, Atlanta, Georgia to Texarkana is ten to eleven hours, and then back yeah. back again. Yeah, that's taking into account you know current speed limits, an average speed limit of a car, not a yeah. truck, because that's the limiting factor is the truck. Yeah, but this truck gets pulled over for doing 96 miles an hour at some point. Yeah. And then Bandit gets him out of it. Well, actually, no. Um, oh, God, what is Sally Field's character's name? They just call her Frog, but her name's Carrie. Carrie, that's right, yeah. Mm. Um, she, it, <laughs> she, they drive up and she flicks the bird, gives him the finger out of the window. And mm. is that actually worse to a copper than a truck doing 96 miles an hour? I have no idea. I mean, it's the States. God knows what cops think in the States. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The other thing, you could tell it's 1977 in the South, $1.50 for two burgers and two sets of fries, including sales tax. In, yeah. I think they're in Alabama or Mississippi at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was Lord. watching this with my wife and Nick, and we, we were sitting there watching it, and when that when he said, when she, he, he was like, oh, how much do I use? $1.50. We were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. There we go, Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. Um, so after all of that fun and japes, uh, I pitched Tom uh, About Time, which is a time-traveling romantic comedy, I guess. Mm. Um, it is both a romantic comedy and a time travel film. Uh, I did mention that it uh, is the rare of th rarest of things. It is a sci-fi time travel film that has no sci in it. There is no science to the time travel. It is organic time travel, would you say? In a, in a, in as much yeah. as time travel can be organic, I, I really it's supernatural. Yes, I guess. I mean, normally with supernatural, you think of some kind of element like ghosts or whatever. yeah, I think of some like otherworldly force. Yes. But I guess this is yeah, this is that yeah, yeah. It's it as you can tell, it's quite hard to categorize. Mm. Um. So the basic premise is shortly after he turns 21, uh, Tim, who's played by Donald Gleason, is uh, taken aside by his father, played by Bill Nye, who uh, tells him the family secret, which is that all of the men in the family have the ability to travel backwards in time. And they do this by going into a dark space, basically clenching their fists and thinking really hard about a point in their life they want to be at. Um, it has, it's got a bunch of caveats, like there's no jumping into the future, there's no... Um, 
Uh, can't go before you were born. You can't go before you were born. You can't use it for money. Uh, like so, like members of the family who tried it. Me- I th- but he, I think but, you but, can, but, but he, he points out that members, yeah, members of the family who've tried it before have not turned right. out particularly well because no. of it. Like generally, like no, he no, he uses it. He's he used it to read every book twice. He said Dickens mm. three times. Um, and Tim decides he's going to use uh, his gift to try and find himself a girlfriend. Uh, because he is a lanky ginger who nobody loves. <laughs> and that's the premise of About Time. Um, uh, I said that I love it because I'm a man who has a small lump of coal where a heart should be, and this warms that lump of coal. Uh, I I have problems with this film. It is not perfect, but I love it. I'm a time travel dork anyway. My favorite things are things like... Um, Time After Time, Back to the Future, Primer. Um, something I'm completely hooked on is there's a Netflix series called Dark, which is a German time travel show, which at time of recording is coming back for its final season in about two weeks, and I'm ungodly excited about it. Um, that was a bit of a tangent. Um, let's start to Tom. What's your general impression of Time After Time? No, not Time After Time, About Time. <laughs> so uh, I said last week, and this isn't really my genre of film. I'm not really into rom-coms. Oh yeah, it's Richard Curtis as well. It's written yeah. directed by Richard Curtis, and as we said, like I don't know how many. You, I don't remember if you said like how many you'd seen, but this is the only Richard Curtis film I've seen all of. I've seen definitely two, including this one, or no, three, including this, this one. Okay, okay. So my I only wrote five words in my notes. Okay, uh, this is fucking shit. I, I think is essentially a Richard Curtis style review. Uh huh. And they are annoyingly posh, utterly charming. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Because I have to admit, I didn't want to like this film. Oh, yeah? Because everything I knew about it, I was just like, no, I don't like this sort of thing. Mm. It's just not not for me. And for the first 30 minutes, maybe slightly less, 25 minutes, it was exactly what I expected it to be. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, no. No, I see if you know everything was going where I predicted it would go. Yes, and the only bit that made me kind of go, oh, actually, that's that's not bad. Uh, at this point, was his first date with Mary in the completely pitch black restaurant, which is a real thing. Yes, yeah, no, 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 it's a a real thing. Uh, So it's a, it's a, all the waiters are blind, aren't they? So they don't need the lights on. So the the whole thing is pitch black, and you just get seated, Mm. and you turn, and he and his mate get seated next to two women and they just start talking. And I thought that was really good. I, I, I thought, this is really nice. It's a really great way of doing a first introduction. Yeah, they it's, can't it's see a, each other. It's, you can't it's, see It's them. a meet cute where they don't get to see each other. Like, you don't get yeah. to see Mary until he does for the first time. Exactly. And you don't get to see how they're looking and reacting to each other. So you yeah. don't get to see... So their relationship is building really organically and naturally. Through personality alone. Exactly, yeah. So Mary, I, I, we should say, is played by Rachel McAdams. Mary, yes. Um, so I like I liked that. I, w- I did not expect where the plot goes after that. Okay. Um, and, yeah, I found it really moving and really... I thought it was a really good film and I thought mm-hmm. it was... There was a lot of heart to it and some really important life lessons in it. Yeah, it's essentially it essentially is you can't there are no do-overs make the most of make the best of your life while you have it. Yeah, exactly. And you know there were there were things in it that I really strongly related to and found sort of mm. very emotional to kind of watch and think about and although I don't relate to the poshness of it and the the sort of well, the, a little bit. Yeah, not to the degree <laughs> that they're posh in this like, you know, it's, it's no, not I know. you know, it's it was, it felt it felt really alien at the beginning which mm. put me off. I could There's imagine a, a lot of people turn this off in the first 15 to 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, quite possibly. Like It, it is Richard Curtis to the core, which yeah. is like eccentric, posh people mm. being amusing. And what I think of this is, is it is it is pure Richard Curtis, which is both its possible downfall and its greatest strength. It's, yes. Because he's think... a good writer. Yeah, and I think I you mentioned that, I think I might have seen things he has written but not directed. Yeah. But I couldn't tell That's you what true. they were. Yeah. Well, four weddings he didn't direct that. 
Um, I'm saying it. Okay. Um, but he he plays on the Richard Curtis movie. Like it's yeah. It lulls you into a false sense of security because I was convinced. I was like, I knew. I was like, I I know I could write down the plot of this movie from watching the first half an hour hmm. that what was going to happen, and it didn't. And as soon as it started to deviate from what I thought, I was like, okay, mm. there's something definitely different about this. There's something more interesting going on here. Mm. And that's when I got more into it. And I got won over by Donald Gleeson and Rachel McAdams and mm. Bill Nye particularly. And like you said last week, all of those, there isn't a single mismatched casting. No. There's like no person si- that I think, yeah. oh, when they come on screen. You know? No, and like, any time, I don't know what kind of rehearsals they had. I mean, I know Rachel McAdams was a fairly last-minute replacement for Do- Zoe Deschanel. Oh wow! Okay, you know what? Uh, which she, I, I think improved this greatly. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah. um, percent agree with that. Uh, yeah, and um, yeah, like everybody on everybody has chemistry with everybody else mm-hmm. they're on screen with at all times. Yeah, like. Um, uh tim tim's little curly haired mate in london yeah rory just like the rory the little bumbling comic relief guy yeah it's like i don't know what kind of rehearsals they had for this no. i don't know like if they had like did chemistry tests when it came to screen tests because that's a big thing when it when it comes to screen testing for yeah. movies and things you'll 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 try and match up pairs who have chemistry together R- rory reminded me of early career tom hollander okay and tom hollander is who tom hollander is now yes yes I, I kind of have a Tom Hollander story that I'm not sure I should tell on this show. and probably no. won't. Maybe I'll tell you afterwards. Yeah, fair enough. Because oh, it might get somebody in trouble. <laughs> the re- well, the reason I think I did the premiere for this film is because I know I've shot interviews with him and I think on more than one occasion. And to be perfectly honest, he's very much like his character in this film. I will only say that, yes, I agree to a certain extent. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, I, I, I agree with the, with that assessment. Yeah. Um, yeah, go on. No, I just realised we're doing two movies with with different Gleasons in are completely unrelated Gleasons. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, Donald Gleason and Jackie Gleason. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't noticed that either. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So when I was I watched this a few days ago mm. uh, again to prepare for this, I think I've seen this. Oh, it must have been my fifth time watching mm. it, um, and. My notes are basically just. I ended up just writing quotes, right? Because I, I the the script I think is really good. It's mm. very witty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when um, uh, so T- Tim is uh, Tim and his family are from Cornwall, or they live in Cornwall mm. anyway. Uh, which one of the problems I have with this movie is it seems to think that Cornwall is just an hour away by train <laughs> from London. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they jump back and forth between the two quite a lot. Mm. Um, and uh, Tim goes to London to seek his fortune as a lawyer mm-hmm. uh, and goes to stay with Tom Hollander's character, who's a playwright, and he's supposedly a friend of uh, of Tim's dad. Uh, doesn't remember Tim's dad at all. Or, or like he does, he remembers him, remembers him being a bit annoying. Um, and he just offhandedly goes, does your mum still look like Andy Warhol? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There were some lots of there were some very good lines of Tom Hollander just being. He's a magnificent dickhead in this film. Yeah. Yeah. And you can just see, a... you can see he's enjoying being that and and doing that. Absolutely. And, but you know, I just it's it's a rare movie where there isn't a bad guy. There's no. not a villain. No. Um and the everyone is likable and it, and and you're kind of rooting for everything to succeed and go go the right way and you know you get thrown a f- couple of red herrings along along the road. I mean the the bad guy the bad guys are are time and cancer. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. and you can't stop either of those. No. Really. No. Um I'd, something I did think was, so there are two peripheral characters, uh, both relations of Tim's. Uh, they are his sister, Kit Kat, and his mm. uncle, Desmond. Mm. And there are 
background stories of her struggle with depression mm. and Desmond's struggle with Alzheimer's mm. that are really subtly handled and both completely heartbreaking. Yeah. I do, is he is his Alzheimer's or is it or is it like is he just mentally slow? I think he might I, it's hard to tell but um he there's a part in this that resonated with me um because he it's one of the dinner party scenes mm. and he oh god what is it he asks he, he doesn't they're talking know about somebody is. and he doesn't know who somebody is yeah yeah and that resonated me with me because it comes from a story my granddad told me about when he first realized something was up with my grand mentally right which is where they got on a train mm. uh, for a trip they planned for ages. They were coming home. They used to have a, they used to have a canal boat. Yeah. They were coming home from where they moored their canal boat, and she just went, "Where are we going?" Right. And it was at that point he realised there was something up with her. Yeah. And I think that moment at the table is where they realise something is really up with Desmond. Right. Okay. Yeah, Maybe I'm I mean, reading too much into it. No. There's. I mean, I I related to a lot of stuff in it, and you know, my my. my my gran had Alzheimer's, so there were, mm. you know you do see that decline and that kind of those those difficult moments where you're having to re-explain not necessarily who you are, but yeah, things that you shouldn't necessarily have to explain. So yeah, there there was an yeah. element of that. I think um, the 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 two main things that I resonated with are when Tim he goes back to save his sister. But he doesn't realise that going back past the birth past the birth of his child will change who that child is. Yes. So I found that bit it was was kind of very poignant because you know my my wife and I had had uh, a lot a lot of issues conceiving our daughter and we came very close to not having her at all and to think of that of not having her speci like specifically her yeah like you know it's something that's kind of quite quite close to me so it, i did wonder i did wonder if the, the the fatherhood part of mm, this would 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 ring with you yeah no it, it really did because it, it it wasn't necessarily just about the having or not having a child it's about the specific the child. specific child yes and and and, and that really was like wow okay that's when i've really got kind of emotional with it and then i think the rest of it is just the whole spending time with people that you care about Particularly, mm. like, we're in lockdown right now. So I haven't seen yeah. my parents for like months and they yeah. haven't seen my daughter for months. So yeah. like, you know, having missing that connection at the moment, that kind of resonated quite deeply as well. So it was, it was, yeah, it was an emotional watch, but I think um, there's such a good natured and valuable lesson in it all. Like, you know, there's a lot about ac acceptance of things, some things are going to happen. Yeah. Um, so you have to make the most of what you got, like you said. So you know, I, th I thought that was really quite beautiful. Really, there's the the bit where he realizes where both he and uh, his dad realizes that this is the last trip he can take back to see him before, yeah. like because Bill Nye's character is revealed towards the end is is dying of cancer, uh, and uh, it becomes apparent that a lot of the interactions you've seen between them are have been where. Uh, either one of them has traveled to see the other through time. Yeah. Yeah. Supposedly, I think I read the story takes place over a period of about seven years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I kind of now want a flow chart of their, of their time, their interactions through time, like a chronological. Yeah. Cause I don't think this is as linear as you originally think it is when you start. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, Yeah. But I mean, overall, I, I I I really enjoyed it. It was a shock. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I would like to talk about the one big problem I have with this film. Okay, that they could have solved incredibly easily mm. by changing or removing one shot. Right. So it breaks its own rules at the end about time travel. Yes. Because if it if it moves the way. Uh, it is implied in the film, the final. So the f spoilers. 
We should probably mention that we we didn't we spoil the shit out of films on this show. <laughs> if this is your first episode, I'm really sorry. We spoil the fuck out of these movies. Um, uh, the the final time travel is uh, Tim and his dad travel together back to when Tim was a child mm. uh, and play together on a beach. Yeah. Um, now, if that it is shown they are standing separately in the same cupboard and both using their power to go back. Yeah. But if Tim is using his power to go back, he's going back before all his children are born, yeah. before he meets Mary and is effectively erasing his life. Well, th so the thing... Now, they, I think they could have fixed this because previously we see Tim holds hands with Kit Kat and travels yeah. back with her. Yeah. If they had just had the shot of them holding hands and it's only Bill Nye using his power, I think they could have done it. I, I think I, that would have made sense. I think they do actually fix it. I think they explain it. Before they do that... Bill Nye says, if we're really careful, if we don't change anything, we can do this. And they go, it's just them. It's a beach. There's nobody yeah. else there. So there's no butterfly effect, essentially. Mm. What, and, and because uh, uh, Tim is so young, there's nothing that's going to knock out of phase any of the uh, any of the other things so for example when he goes back to save kit kat obviously him then t trying to take care of her means that the child isn't necessarily conceived at the same time mm. and therefore born at the same time necessarily so that, that that can throw that out because there's other stuff going on around that time but with this because they go back to a isolated completely isolated time where only they are present it almost doesn't matter. Because I would have the, still had them hold hands in the cupboard. Yeah, absolutely. But they do kind of, they do, there is that little bit of Bill Nye, he says mm. beforehand, I think we can do this because if, we, if we're really careful, we can do it. Um, mm. But you're right. When I saw the child version of Tim, I was just like, oh, well, he's just erased his children. Yeah. And it wasn't until I thought about it that I was like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe it's fine. Mm. yeah it's dodgy it's my, it's my one it's the one thing like my one major problem with this with yeah. the film uh, it's yeah um yeah like pretty much everything else I wrote is is quotes uh, apart from much play is made of Tim being ginger however his mate Jay is practically a tangerine <laughs> And that is, but it's never mentioned. No. Uh, I, oh, there is a sequence I really like from a film. We should probably talk about filmmaking at some point on this show. From a filmmaking point of view, there's one sequence I particularly like, which is where where the development of um, uh, Tim and Mary's relationship is shown just through their interactions over like uh, six months a year. Yeah. Just in a tube station. Yes, I like that. So it's them running down, running down the escalator, saying goodbye to each other in the morning, meeting up in the evening, yeah. coming back from parties, coming back from shops with arms full of plants and groceries and things. Yeah, yeah. And there's some really of. lovely stuff in it. I think. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we should probably move on to pictures. We probably should. We've been going nearly an hour. So have we? Yeah. Oh God. Oh shit! It's not supposed to be that long. I'll cut something out in the middle. Yeah, oh, one fine. final thing about about time. Yeah. It was an unexpectedly huge hit in South Korea. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it did. It did crazy business in South Korea. Something like a third of the population of the country went wow. to see it. That's impressive. Yeah. That's very mm. impressive. Yeah. Right. I feel like I've talked a lot. So, sure. Um, you want me to pitch? Yeah, please. Sure. Um, so on episode three of season one of Have You Seen, I pitched you a movie. I'm going to pitch yes. you the first of its sequels. Right. So uh, way back then, I pitched you a movie called Airport, which was yes. a big 70s disaster movie. And it was uh, one of, it was one of the first. Well, I don't know if it was. It wasn't the first. a 70s disaster movie. It was a 70 disaster yeah, movie. It was it? It was, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or 71, 70 or 71, 70, I think. Um, and it started off or, or was one of the big ones of that trend of having a massive a-list cast in this epic disaster movie with lots of intertwining stories um and it's basically you know, an airport that gets snowed in and 
you know, we, we, we watched it and it kind of, it was a sort of genre starting or genre design defining thing. They made three. Well, they defined two genres really, yes. because without that, there's no airplane and there's it, no. Exactly. So airplane and... is very much influenced by airport and airport mm. 75. And I'm going to pitch you airport 75, which is okay. the second movie in the franchise of, there are four, there's airport 75, 77, and I think airport 1980. That's what. Yeah, so that's the one we can't. Uh, we talked about. We talked. We, we talked about this mm. during the uh, during the, that show. Right. Uh, and I have since gone back and listened to all of our episodes. Right. Okay. I haven't. Um, <laughs> I've got to do something during lockdown. Okay. Um, yeah. So I've listened to all, to all of the episodes that we have complete versions of. Right. Um, and. Uh, it was actually Airport 79, but in some territories right. it didn't get released until 1980, yes, so yeah, there it was 79. Airport 80. Yeah. Um, so this one, uh, you'll see a lot of airplane in it. You used to watch The, Incred okay. you, you watched the Incredible, not just an airplane, but you know, it, 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 airplane is a spoof predominantly of this one and yes. airport. Okay. Uh, and okay. also a movie called um, Zero Hour. Zero Hour, yeah. yeah. Um, did you... You used to watch The Incredible Hulk as a kid, right? I've, yeah, not a lot of it because, okay. um, like, even though I was born in 79, I'm a child of the 80s yeah. and The uh, Incredible Hulk was still a 70s TV show and it looked a bit cheap and shit to me, mm. even as a yeah. child. Uh, I've seen some of it. Okay, well... There was too there was too much banner and not enough Hulk for for like yeah. four year old Kieran's do, liking. Do you remember? Um, I once lent you an episode of MacGyver where they just basically ripped out the car chase scene from the Italian Job and turned it yes, into an episode of MacGyver. They rip out a pretty much every exterior plane shot and a portion of the interiors and made an incredible Hulk episode out of this. All right, um, well, if you own the footage, yeah. Um, yeah. This one stars Charlton Heston. The very basic premise, I'm not going to go into it a lot because, you know, it's a big disaster movie and we'll talk about it next week. Basic premise is 747, load of passengers. It's flying along quite happily. And a small, uh, a small, uh, like, private plane, you know, like a little Cessna, yeah. collides midair with a 747 taking out the pilots and someone has to land the plane. Is it Charlton Heston? He, partly. Is he, is he one of, is he on the short list of candidates? He is, yes. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, you, you, you get the picture. It, it, yeah, you know, okay. It, it, it's, All right. it's one of those movies and, and I just, I, thought, I figured I'd, I'd, I'd pitch it to you because it, um, I, I, I can happily watch all of the airport movies. I, the two I watch most are Airport and Airport 77. Um, okay. They get progressively more ridiculous as they go on. Um, there's some pretty, there's some pretty cool stunts in this one um, from from memory, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it'll be an interesting watch, and it'll be fun comparing it to what they what they uh, nicked for Airplane okay. as well. Right. Well, I've got so many threads into what I'm going to pitch you. Uh, you are pitching me trash from the seventies. I'm going to pitch you something to do with trash from the eighties. Okay. Um, uh, Breakdancing, Ninjas, Chuck Norris, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren, and the Lambada yes. uh, were all made popular. Right. They're all crazes that were made popular by the studio Canon Films. Okay. Who, nice. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. Um, um, they were not mostly like straight-to-video uh quantity over quality low budget mostly action and exploitation film producers yeah i mean the company existed but then in 1979 it was bought by a two israeli cousins uh menachem golan and yoram globus oh okay who had been massively successful yeah. in um israel yeah. and decided they wanted to conquer america so they bought this studio and just made movie after movie after movie right um and this, uh, the film is called Electric Boogaloo, The Wild Untold Story of Canon Films. Nice. And it's a talking head documentary okay. uh, from the, the, the people who saw all this firsthand mm -hmm. um, about these two 
crazy men. Uh, one of them was, <laughs> there's a section where uh, lots of the talking heads go through the nicknames they had for them. Right. And one guy says, I used to call them the bad news Jews. <laughs> God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's full of, it's full of uh, clips from the films mm-hmm. and interviews with all these people. So uh, off the top of my head, um, uh, Elliot Gould, uh, Franco Zeffirelli, um, oh, uh, Franco Nero, uh, not the dictator, um, the actor. Right. <laughs> Who else is in it? There's a whole, like Adolf Lundgren, uh, because they gave him his first leading role. Canon is responsible for Masters of the Universe, the movie. Yeah, okay. So you have seen at least one Canon yeah. film. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they basically created the craze of ninja movies. Nice. With, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Enter the Ninja, Return of the Ninja, and then Ninja 3, The Domination. Right. Okay. Um, uh, and it's just like, it's imagine two Israeli Roger Cormans. Oh, this sounds great. I, I'm looking forward to this already. I, like, yeah. So the, the documentary is from 2014, and mm-hmm. it um, there was quite some fanfare around it when it came out. Yeah. Um, it moves at an absurd pace for a documentary. I actually found it really hard to write notes because okay. it's it it's just over 90 minutes i think okay it moves at an insane pace it's like edited constantly mm. um i will warn you that there are a lot of boobs in this for a documentary <laughs> okay uh and because they cover some michael winner productions yeah. uh there are a couple of scenes of sexual violence they have taken from the movies he made right. for canon films okay Yes. Michael Winner comes out of this particularly badly. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yes. Um, I think he's dead, so I, can, uh, so I can look into the camera and call him an odious fuckbag. I think he only, seems like an awful man. Yeah, the only film of his I think I've actually ever seen is Death Wish. Okay. Well, Canon are responsible for all the Death Wish movies that weren't the first one. Oh, okay. I've only seen the first one. Yes. I've heard three yes. is the one to watch. Well, you'll get to see some of that here. Yeah, okay, cool. Um... Yeah, I haven't actually I haven't actually been able to write a pitch for this. Okay, that's fine. Um but on this show we we tend to like documentaries. Yeah. Uh and particularly documentaries about filmmaking. Mm. Uh so and like this is a film this is a thing like I think I've been trying to get you to watch it since I saw it originally in I think so, yeah. Like 5 or 6 years ago. I don't know why I never have got around to it to be perfectly honest. Much like about time, I've seen this four or five times. Oh, okay. And there are there are people and quotes and bits in it that I pick up each time. I might end up watching it. I watched it to attempt to write a pitch and some notes. I might end up watching it again before we record the next episode. Fair enough. Okay, cool. Um, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, it's for a documentary about, I would say for a documentary about filmmaking it's bananas but the film business is bananas anyway yeah. so yeah it absolutely is yeah yeah so that'll be fun awesome i'm really looking forward to it um shall we make it a regular thing to plug your documentary on this show yeah if you like yeah sure do you want yeah. to do it this time because i did it last time shall i do it this yeah. time uh one of the projects that happened while we were off the air is tom made a feature-length documentary it's called the easy bit and it is essentially six men who have had uh, who have been through fertility treatment um telling their stories openly and honestly to the camera as previously mentioned i have a small cold black heart and uh this got to me this affected me i'm not interested in having children whatsoever uh but that these the stories of these men's struggles um, is affecting. Uh, it is available to rent now on uh, Vimeo.com. Uh, we should probably get you some kind of vanity URL for this. Yeah, I think there is one. I think it's uh, I think it's Vimeo-on-demand.com forward slash the easy bit, if I remember correctly. Okay. Do we need to research this? And if it's not that, edit you in with the actual <laughs> URL. Check very quickly. All right, I'm pretty okay. certain that's it. Uh, Vimeo.com forward slash on demand forward slash the easy bit. Okay, there you go. There's the there's there's a URL to go and rent it from. Yeah. Uh, uh, I worked on it a bit as well. Yeah. Uh, I filmed one of the interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
was credited with additional editing, yeah. which I think means a chunk that I edited for Tom to show off at a uh, f- fertility, I know you said fertility fest. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, ended up in the movie as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, go rent it. It's good. Thank you. There we go. Yeah. Uh, plugs for this show. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. If you have seen, hang on, if you have seen uh, Airport 75 or Electric Boogaloo, The Wild Untold Story of Canon Films, um, you can let us know at HYS Podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can go to Facebook, facebook.com slash have you seen podcast. And the email address is hyspodcast at gmail.com. I need to get that on, a, on like a placard above my camera. So I'm not trying to remember it because my eyeline for my notes is over here. But my eye for the people is over here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, we'll be back next week when we're talking about those films. Awesome. Anything else to add? No, nothing at all. I'm good. All right. Yeah. That's it then. See you next week. See you later. Yep. Bye. Bye.